Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we are serving up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. A bit weird, but it works. Today's special is Australian mythology. I'm your hostess, Ashley, and with me today, as always, are the lovely, talented, and hilarious Emily and Lindsay. (laughs) How dare you lie? (laughs) (laughs) oh quit i'm just laying on the sugar before we start the story (laughs) i'm just kidding this is actually a really good story i think you're gonna like it but you never know maybe you won't (laughs) all right so let's just deal with the massive list of sources i have and i am a little sorry but i'm the one that had to read these so not that sorry (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so I used uh, an ebook by Charles St. Duval called Australian Mythology The Rainbow Serpent. I used another ebook by Mark Clayton called Australian Mythology Captivating Dreamtime Stories of Indigenous Australians. I used an article from the Encyclopedia Britannica, actually, correction, two articles from Encyclopedia Britannica, um, one on the dreaming. And another one on totemism, and that was by Joseph Haeckel. I read an article by Auntie Beryl Carmichael called Why the Stories Are Told, and that was on a website called Aboriginal Culture Dreamtime Stories. I had to get that on the Wayback Machine because they took it down. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit of a bummer. Um, And then I used three different pages on Wikipedia because this got out of hand. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I went went overboard. I used a page from Wikipedia on the mythology of Australia, a separate one specifically on the rainbow serpent, and then a third one on snakes and mythology. And then finally, I used a blog spot page on Ophian and Uranome of the Greeks. That's it. (laughs) You did have quite a list. (laughs) This is nothing compared to the other shows. 
<laughs> but it's still a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the episode I just did for that, Trayvon Martin, when we just did that, I held the sources until the end because I had like a page and a half of them. <laughs> and I knew no one would sit through that to yeah. get to the story. So this was tame by comparison, but yeah, I went a little overboard. But it's okay. It is worth it for all of you. (laughs) Okay, so let's go ahead and start with our context, like we always do for the mythology stories. Indigenous Australian cultures are some of the oldest continually existing cultures in the world. Their history dates back over 40,000 years. Australian indigenous cultures are descended from the first migrants to leave their birthplace in Africa over 75,000 years ago. Because of this long history, the indigenous peoples of Australia have some of the most complex and unique societies in existence. If you're wondering why I keep using plural nouns, it's because there are hundreds of distinct indigenous nations in Australia. They speak different languages and have wide-ranging cultural and religious practices. But there is some overlap, as you might expect in groups that have inhabited a shared region for so many millennia. Some of that overlap can be found in the fascinating and rich myth-making practices found in these communities. For example, the concept of the dream time, also referred to as the dreaming, It's extremely important to most Indigenous storytelling in Australia. Mark Clayton writes, Dreamtime refers to the Indigenous mythic past, the time of the ancestors when the world was newly made and animals and birds lived and talked like people. There are also aspects of Indigenous religious beliefs that are closely related to the Dreamtime, so this extends beyond stories as well. It's important to understand the dream time is so much more than the past, because while it has a beginning, which is creation, it has no foreseeable end. The mythic subjects of the dreaming are eternal beings because in Aboriginal belief, they are as much alive now in a spiritual sense as they ever were. The dreaming includes totemism as well, which is a belief system in which humans have a kinship or some mystical connection with a spirit being. This being can be an animal or a plant. This entity or totem is believed to interact with a certain group or individual with whom it is connected, and the totem serves as their emblem. Totems are powerful because they place humans in the dream time thus providing human beings with an identity that extends without interruption from the beginning of time onward into the future. In Indigenous Australian cultures, storytelling is integral to life and plays a strong role in education. Auntie Beryl Carmichael writes, quote, No matter what we do, there is always guidance for us, and the guidance comes through in the stories, end quote. The rainbow serpent myth has many variations across the continent of Australia, and it is a creator god that has many different names depending on which Aboriginal community is telling the story. It is one of the most well-known Australian mythological stories and carries great cultural significance. 
One thing you should keep in mind as we go through this myth is that the rainbow serpent is an androgynous entity, so it can be referred to using either masculine or feminine pronouns, and I am going to use both at various times, and sometimes I'll use gender-neutral pronouns as well. Try not to be thrown off by that. It's all the same god creature. They just believe that it inhabits so many different spaces at the same time that you can use any of these pronouns to discuss it. It really isn't one. It's it's all. It's everything. It's cool that it's like androgynous. Yeah. It sounds interesting. I'm excited to hear more about it. It's kind of an everything because it's a god. Yeah. Something I found really interesting was when you were talking about the dream time Mm -hmm. because I was listening to another podcast Uh, And a woman said that she had gone to Australia and spent some time with some of the tribes there. And and they really kind of introduced her to what the dream time was. And they told her that essentially in the dream time, every true native Australian remembers all of Australian history because they're all connected through the dream time. So you are connected to every ancestor and you know all of that past. I thought that was pretty cool. And then you you started talking about it and go, oh, okay, I know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a really fascinating concept to me. And it's I think it's kind of hard for us to understand in like a Western culture because we see everything as being so individualized, experience as being so individualized. But it really is this idea of like a collective existence in which everything is indelibly linked. All right. Well, that's all I have for context. So I guess we are finished with our appetizers and we're going to go ahead and take a short break. I'll be back with the main course right after this. Greetings! Welcome to Curious Nixons, where we lead you through the darkness. We'll be discussing all things sinister and disturbing. If you're interested in hearing about true crime, the paranormal, witchy, and downright weird stuff, then you're in the right place. We'll We'll see see you on on the other side. All right, hopefully everyone's hungry because it's time to dig into our main course, which is, as you may have already figured out, the myth of the rainbow serpent. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> I'm excited for this one. Before the universe we know, there was a period known as the Age of Sleep. During this time, the Earth and all of its elements were suspended in a seemingly endless lethargy. The Earth was flat and desolate. Nothing lived, grew, or moved on its surface. Everything was colorless, lifeless, and silent. The only thing that existed was the dream. Until one day when the rainbow serpent suddenly awakened from its long slumber. The serpent's body was as thick as a millinery tree and as long as a flowing river. And it was all covered over with resplendent scales of vibrant colors which would shift in hue in the sunlight. With its first powerful movement, it crunched the rocks beneath its weight as it moved forth to emerge from the bottom of the earth. When he broke through the surface, the serpent let out a great cry that served as the foundation of life. I imagine it sounded something like, Hey, 
Wake up already. <laughs> no, I'm just picturing... <laughs> what is it, Sloth? Hey, you guys! <laughs> the Rainbow Serpent began a long and arduous journey across the country of Australia, beginning in the south and making its way steadily northward. As it traveled, its body carved lengthy, curving paths in the soil. After a time, the serpent grew tired and decided to rest, so it coiled up and went to sleep. When it awoke some time later, the serpent decided to return to where it had first awakened. As he moved back out of his coil, he left behind another large series of grooves in his wake. Upon reaching his destination, the serpent raised his voice and cried out for the frogs to wake up. But there was still nothing but silence. The rainbow serpent raised its voice even louder and called out again for the frogs to wake up. And then, one at a time, the frogs began to emerge from the earth. God damn it, I was trying to sleep here. <laughs> <laughs> Their bellies were voluminous and heavy from the weight of the water they'd stored during their long slumber. All the effort of moving through the soil burdened them with so much water inside of them. The frogs had become extremely tired by the time they broke through the surface. So the rainbow serpent decided to ease their loads by, get this, tickling the frogs with a eucalyptus branch. That's way better than what I pictured. Why? What did you? <laughs> oh God! I pictured him like cartoon style squishing on their backs, so all the water came out. <laughs> he just wrings them out like a sponge. This is how they invented the shamwow. <laughs> Its origins go way back. <laughs> oh, yes. The ShamWow. It's ancient. Uh. <laughs> the frogs laughed and laughed at the sensation of being tickled. And as they did, the water released from their stomachs and began to flow down the curved tracks the serpent had created in the soil during its long journey. So basically, he tickled them until they peed themselves. Well, I don't know if it's pee necessarily, but all the liquid comes out of the frogs. I mean, I'd prefer not to think of it as pee because this is how all the rivers and lakes of Australia are formed. Um, <laughs> Boy, the water in Australia tastes a little funny. The good news is urine is sterile, so if you do drink it, you probably won't die. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> the water brought forth an abundance of life grass grew where before there was nothing but dry cracked land trees grew from the soil and flowers bloomed in many sizes and colors the rainbow serpent called forth the other animals from the earth awakening them from their slumber and so she filled the continent with life of every kind. The animals then followed the serpent across the land until all of Australia was populated with life. Each animal species was taking up its assigned place on the island, whether on the land, 
in the air, or in the sea. Now that life filled every corner of the land, the serpent, in her wisdom, set about establishing norms so that all of life could exist in harmony. He then called together a meeting along the shore of the continent to tell the animals what he had decided, saying, Brothers and sisters, we must set into place certain rules to allow us to coexist peacefully and to ensure there is enough food for all of us. Now that the world is awake and all is new, we have a great abundance of resources. But we must live responsibly to ensure that this wealth continues into the future to avoid living in pain and scarcity. From this moment forth, each species will feed mainly on one food source, although there may be some similar sources added to this central one. Some species will eat plants, while others will eat meat, and still others will eat seeds. The more diversity of our food sources, the less likely we are to exhaust any one resource. Those who comply with this rule shall be rewarded, and I will turn them into humans, a new species that will have greater power and intelligence than any of the others. Quick pause. I'm not sure (laughs) we have greater intelligence than any of the other species. I was just thinking the same thing. Some of us, sure, but others are on the math team and they suck at math and then you almost don't get to go to the nice lunch instead of the crappy one. (laughs) Diving back in where I left off. (laughs) Those who disobey me will suffer punishment and be turned to stone forever. (laughs) Wow. Listen, maybe it's harsh, but also... You've been warned. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Among the many animal species, there were those who were very diligent about following the serpent's instructions and did their part in preserving resources for the common good. They also were partially motivated by attaining the promised new state of being. However, there were also those who defied his orders, believing their own will should have more power and authority than the serpents. So, in their arrogance, they acted as they pleased and did not fear punishment. Does that sound like something that would happen? (laughs) Uh, Would reasonable beings listen to advice that was explained very clearly why they should do it and it would benefit everybody? And then some of them are just like, I know better than you. I will do what I want. Huh. I'm going to do what I want. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Maybe it would. (laughs) Who's to say? I don't know. Maybe a significant population of America. But hey, that's just a guess. (laughs) I don't actually know anything. (laughs) After a period of careful observation of the animals... The rainbow serpent set about turning the defiant ones to stone. (laughs) 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 You're so gleeful, (laughs) Lynn. It's just it's just a funny image. Just I'm just picturing like almost like a magic wand, like going around and being like, and screw you, and screw you, and screw you. (laughs) 
And I'm just over here remembering that scene in The Hobbit where the trolls fight over how they're going to cook Bilbo until the sun comes up and then they all turn to stone. <laughs> oh, people are dumb. It's okay. <laughs> All right, so the defiant ones, they're getting turned to stone, and these large forms still adorn certain areas. Their original forms are still discernible to those with a careful eye. The Great Mountains were formed from the disobedient animals, and they still watch over men and women as they sit in their perpetually silent existence. I, so I feel like uh, I kind of like the aspect of this story where they're like, all the shitty animals who were very selfish got turned into mountains and they get to watch everyone else have fun and enjoy their free will forever. And it's kind of like the uh, creation story version of you stand in the corner and think about what you did <laughs> forever, which was my mom's favorite punishment when I was a kid. And you know what? I deserved it. <laughs> I know this isn't in Australia, but my first thought was what animal got to be Mount Everest? Because now it's got all these dead bodies on it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it was just like, God, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> that is dark. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm thinking that's probably the meanest and most selfish of all the animals became Mount Everest, right? Yep. Because then not only do you get to sit and watch everyone else enjoy their free will forever, you are also a graveyard. Yep. You're just a giant tomb. Congratulations on that level of selfishness. Gold star. Haha, <laughs> you suck. That's uh, the whole parentism. You brought this on yourself. I mean, it isn't not true. <laughs> <laughs> to the obedient animals, the serpent gave human form. And to each, he also gave an emblem of an animal to serve as their totem. In this way, the humans were organized into tribes, with each tribe worshipping its shared totem respectfully and humbly. The tribes formed deep spiritual connections with their totems, and as such, they were forbidden to eat the species their totem represented. The Rainbow Serpent taught the humans to build shelters to protect them from the elements, taught them how to dance and sing, how to dress, and gave them the language they've had ever since, which is the language they use to communicate with her. When the serpent is happy, there is abundance and harmony. When she is angry, there are torrential rains that cause floods and destruction. When these things happen, humans must contemplate what they have done to upset the serpent and find ways to restore her happiness and recover their own goodness. I feel like that uh, that translates to uh, everyday life a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, except now uh, when we're like, hey, the earth is cooking us, that's pretty bad. Instead of being like, let's figure out what we did wrong and try to fix it, we're like, let's ignore that and keep doing what we're already doing and maybe it will change its mind. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, see, you're you're all environmentally minded and thinking about it deeply. I'm kind of narcissistic and going, I'm a woman and I can definitely relate to the serpent in this story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe I was thinking that subconsciously because I used female pronouns during that <laughs> Like, if you have enraged me, you will fill my wrath and it will be in the form of a torrential downpour. Congratulations. <laughs> It's going to suck. Think about what you did wrong and fucking fix it or I will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, all right. When the serpent had finished all of her work, she grew tired. She chose a pond that seemed to her beautiful and serene and submerged herself into its depth and exercises her power from there to this day. The humans stayed in the lands the serpent gave to them and continued to provide for themselves to the best of their abilities. But humans were clumsy and struggled with hunting. Quick pause! (laughs) (laughs) Our forms are kind of lanky, and I do struggle with just, you know, not tripping over my own freaking feet. So sometimes it's probably hard to catch your own food when your food is graceful. (laughs) Yeah. Or when it can kill you. Well, there's that too. (laughs) You just took it much darker than I was planning on. (laughs) But let's be honest, that's a concern and it probably should be. (laughs) Especially in Australia. Everything in Australia wants to kill you. I mean, a lot of things definitely want to kill you. I don't want to believe that maybe koalas don't but I don't know that much about koalas so I could be wrong have you never seen an angry koala no they can be really mean they're mean I mean there's a difference between mean and will kill you <laughs> um they yeah they're dangerous okay they'll hurt you. don't they have really sharp claws Well, then I apologize, Australia. I clearly know nothing about koalas, and I did not research them before I made that ill-informed statement. (laughs) I guess everything does want to kill you. (laughs) We're sorry, Australia. (laughs) Maybe some of the fish don't. I mean, come on. You gotta at least give me that. I, I yeah, I could agree with that. Maybe not all the fish. Some of the fish are probably just like, I'm just swimming around living my life. Like Dory. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Or maybe I'm wrong and they all want to murder you too. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Dory's secretly evil. I just keep killing. Just keep killing. I'm just over here trying to find a way to make this like a peaceful, happy harmony story. And you guys are like, you guys are like, no, Ashley, everything will murder you in your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I lost my spot completely. Uh, Hunting, right? Hunting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they struggled with hunting. And that means sometimes food was scarcer than others. Which, yeah, that makes sense. One joyous and beautiful day, a divine apparition occurred in Arnhem Land, and from the sea, two young women came forward. These were the Wawalak sisters. And I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm pretty sure that's right, but I I could be wrong. (laughs) Um, Anyway, they are powerful goddesses with long hair, as black as the night, 
large eyes and brows expressing determination and skill. And I'm going to go ahead and say that might be my favorite description of female characters ever. (laughs) It is pretty powerful. It is. Brows expressing determination and skill. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) I, I can tell from your brows you're very skilled. I mean, it's a lot better than half the crap I read. <laughs> just, I'm just saying, they're all like, she is tall and moved gracefully, and she was really hot, and I just, they were just powerful and stuff. <laughs> Good way to describe women. I like it. Brow expressing determination and skill, and they're going to kill some stuff, so that's going to be nice. <laughs> uh, the older sister carried a child on her back. And the younger one was pregnant. They strode forth with great purpose. They had come to teach mankind how to hunt. Their first act was to enter the forest and get something to eat. Deftly hiding in the underbrush, the sisters used their great skill with their spears to kill a wild deer. After cutting up the meat, they built a fire cooked it to perfection, and then satisfied their hunger before preparing additional food for what they knew would be a long journey. As they moved through the country from north to south, to every place that dazzled their eyes with its beauty and magnificence, the sisters gave a name and assigned a future function, giving new meaning to the landscapes they passed through. Each day they rose at dawn, walked as far as they could until they needed to stop to hunt, prepared and consumed their food, and continued walking until the sun set. One day, the younger sister found that she could not walk as fast or as far as she had before, and she realized with apprehension that she would soon give birth to her child. She told her sister that she felt her son would come soon and that they must settle temporarily to prepare for his arrival Her sister said to her with the calmness and wisdom of someone who'd already experienced childbirth, Don't worry. We will find a suitable place to camp and you can rest as much as you need to. I will handle the hunting and do all I can to keep you in good spirits. When you feel your first contractions, don't be scared. Just call for me and I will come to you. Soon you will have a strong son whose deeds and values will forever set an example for the people of his village. Okay, that's giving me chills because as a mom, that first time that you give birth, it's terrifying. And just having her sister say, don't be scared, I'm right here with you. That's moving. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, obviously I don't have any kids, so I don't relate to it the same way that you did, but... When I was reading through this the first time and and working on, you know, rewriting the story to tell it to everybody, I actually felt really moved by that too, to the point that I was almost crying a little bit because there's something really beautiful about that level of sisterhood and love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After a few hours of searching, the sisters found a pond with beautiful crystalline waters that was surrounded by flowers and plants of all colors along its banks, where happy frogs jumped from leaf to leaf singing a happy song. The younger sister settled into the grass while the older one walked out a long way to hunt for some food. 
Not long afterward, the younger sister felt her contractions begin, so she called out anxiously and insistently for her sister, that the older one had gone so far in search of food that she could not hear her sister's cries. At first, the younger one panicked, but then she felt a calm come over her. Now, I'm going to quote directly from the book here because this line I feel like is beautiful and powerful and I did not want to mess with it. So, quote, it was then that she truly knew the power and the wisdom of the nature that had conceived her, end quote. That is beautiful. Isn't it? it? She closed her eyes and had faith. And in accordance with the natural cycle, she gave birth to a healthy boy who announced his arrival into the world with strong cries. When the older one returned, she smiled at the sight of her sister holding her baby and said that though she would have liked to have been there to help her, if the universe had wanted her to birth her child alone, it was so she could experience the magic and power of her body to create life. Oh, I'm getting chills over here. I'm like starting to cry and like I don't even have any children. (laughs) (laughs) Must pull it together. The older one set about creating a fire to cook the deer she'd killed. But as she placed it on the heat and seasoned it with spices, it suddenly sprang up and ran directly into the pond where it was submerged and did not reappear. Well, that would be terrifying. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) She turned to her sister in shock to ask if she'd seen the deer run into the water. But her sister, who had been breastfeeding her newborn child, had not seen anything. She asked how a dead deer could possibly have jumped into the water and then said maybe some scavenger had stolen their food somehow. Um... When you are trying to cook a dead animal and it just like leaps into the water, (laughs) I feel like you should have a lot of follow up questions about what the hell just happened. (laughs) But I also understand that her sister just gave birth and is exhausted and was obviously not watching so i can only imagine she's probably like i don't know what you're smoking big sis but we need more food (laughs) (laughs) she's probably like sure sure yeah leapt into the water you ruined our dinner didn't you (laughs) you probably seasoned it wrong again god This is garbage! <laughs> she just, like, yeeted it into the water. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love the word eat so much. <laughs> if I let her eat this and it's seasoned drunk, I will never hear the end of it. <laughs> With their meal lost, the very confused, under-freaking-standably, right? <laughs> the very confused older sister returned to the forest to hunt once more in a short time she caught another deer which she took extra effort to ensure was dead (laughs) oh god before attempting to cook it um she also bound its legs before placing it on the fire which okay that might work (laughs) But 
just as the last deer had done, this one jumped into the pond as soon as it was placed on the fire. This time, the oh younger sister. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know if I can get through this part of the story. <laughs> just, no, no, I'm just picturing the first deer like pinwheeling like its arms around as it jumps in the water, and then the second one just being like, woohoo, as it like jumps in with like its front legs and back legs bowing and just kind of like springboards into the water. I can only imagine her face when that second one got up and was like, <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, so this time, the younger sister had witnessed the deer's movement, while the older one stood dumbfounded as to how something so impossible could have happened twice. (laughs) 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 Okay, she stood there stunned for a moment before telling her sister that she must go and try to hunt something else for them to eat as it was growing dark by this time and they hadn't eaten all day. This time, she killed a large boar, which she managed to drag back to their camp with great effort. Quick pause. (laughs) (laughs) How strong do you have to be to drag a huge boar back to a camp when you've already been walking all day and haven't eaten anything? Because I can't drag anything anywhere ever. <laughs> well, what did they say about those brows? Uh, they were showing determination and skill. See, there you go. It was all in the brows. It was all that determination in her brow that kept her going. <laughs> <laughs> she just held up a tacky that thing. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Maybe she just called it a football hood a couple times to demoralize the first. <laughs> okay. Woo! <laughs> that was not as quick of a pause <laughs> as I had intended, but it was worth it. <laughs> Back in. <laughs> Completely exhausted at this point, she could think of nothing but how the meat would taste. Her son had been constantly asking for food in her absence. But just as she placed the boar on the fire to be cooked, it too jumped into the water and was submerged. I can only imagine there were expletives after that one. I mean, I feel like there already should have been, but they're goddesses, so they're probably classier than me. (laughs) I would have just, like, broken my spear over my knee, thrown it in the water, and stomped off, and been like, fuck it, we're doing it live! And then just, like, ran off to, like, something with my bare hands. Are you dead yet? Are you dead? Oh, my God. Start beating it with a rock. Oh, Oh my God. God. (laughs) That's so feral. That's what happens when you get angry. <laughs> hey, uh, I think you need a Snickers. <laughs> you're not just, you when you're hungry. You're a serial killer. <laughs> I just need these deer to stop magically jumping away from this fire. <laughs> I'm trying to eat you. I just want food. Damn it. Come on. 
go all fat bastard. Get in my belly. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, we can do this. We are professionals. I was just thinking that. <laughs> 100% professional. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Disheartened and hungry, the Wawilak sisters watched their third prey disappear. The older one approached the pond, followed by her younger sister, holding her newborn child. As they got closer, the water stirred almost imperceptibly. I know what you're thinking. It's not a (laughs) (laughs) T-Rex. Oh no, you broke Lindsay. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to anyone who doesn't get that Jurassic Park reference. Oh, God. (laughs) I think you legit broke her. (laughs) I'm sorry. The best part is, that's not typed into my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, listeners, that's right. When we write the stories, most of the time the jokes aren't in there. We just come up with them and say whatever we want. (laughs) Just showing you behind the curtain right now. How much pop culture is stuffed in my brain? The answer is a lot. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Suddenly, a distant sound began to grow louder and louder until it became too painful to bear. And the water grew agitated and overflowed, sending forth a wave that looked as if it would flood the whole pond. Frozen in fear, the sisters saw a huge snake shining with all the colors of the rainbow, emerge from the bottom of the pond. It spoke to them angrily. You fools have infuriated me by hunting and eating the wild animals of this land without my permission. The older sister told the snake that they didn't know what they had done. They'd simply been using their best skill to sustain themselves on their journey. The serpent said to her, I am the rainbow serpent, the mother of life. And you have not abided by the basic laws of respecting nature. I don't care what your mission is. You have invaded this land and killed my creatures. In her fury, the serpent opened its great jaw and swallowed the sisters and their children. And as it did so, it produced a great noise that could be heard even in the most distant human villages. Um, didn't... The serpent send them there to teach humans how to hunt? No. Okay, I thought that was their purpose. That's their purpose. They are goddesses and they came there to teach humans how to hunt, but the serpent did not send them. Ah, okay. So it's a it there's a multi-theistic thing happening here. So this is kind of a get off my lawn kind of thing. Get off my lawn and stop eating my cats. <laughs> I'm like dying over here Okay From the human villages Each tribe elected one emissary To send out in search of the source of the sound They believed it must have something to do with the rainbow serpent So the emissaries set out in search of her Along the way, the animals helped guide the emissaries to their destination. 
After seven full days and nights of walking, the men arrived at the pond where they saw the rainbow serpent resting along its banks. Her body was engorged by the people she had swallowed. When the serpent became aware of the human's presence, it asked why they had come. The emissary from the kangaroo tribe spoke up, saying there was not much food for them as they were unable to catch the larger animals. So they thought perhaps the great sound they'd heard seven days earlier might be a sign and came in search of its source. The snake said it was nothing and that she was sorry they'd come so far for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, snake. I know you're like this glorious, you know, god of creation, and that's awesome. One thing that you might want to work on is lying better. (laughs) Because just being like, oh, what? That really loud noise? Nah, that's not a big deal. You can go home. (laughs) I didn't hear anything. Took you seven days to get here? Nah, nah. I think you should probably start walking back because it's going to be a long seven days. You're probably hungry with all the no food. Uh, good luck with that. (laughs) She further explained that she had just been hungry and eaten a wild boar, but this did not make sense to the men. They questioned why the boar should have made such a loud noise and how she had managed to capture it in the first place. The Rainbow Serpent began to feel guilty from their questions and could feel the women and children moving inside her. Ew. Listen, it's a Jonah and the Whale situation, so they're still alive in there. Ew. Well, that's how it works in these stories. I don't don't make them up. (laughs) (laughs) It's still gross. Well, yeah, and I'm sure it was even grosser if you're one of the women or children inside of the snake. You're probably cold and hungry and sticky for some reason. I don't know. Okay, stop thinking about that. Let's keep going. The wind kicked up and blew so hard that it uprooted the thinner trees and made them fly through the air like leaves. The serpent understood then what she had to do, so she opened her jaws and vomited up the sisters and their offspring. And so the Wawilak sisters returned to the earth to teach mankind how to hunt. And, you know, hopefully they got to take a bath at some point. I was just thinking that too. (laughs) Because like, oh God, the smell alone. (laughs) 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 From that time forward, they always sought the permission of the rainbow serpent before killing any of her creatures. Well, yeah. I mean, the last time they didn't do that, she literally ate them. Please don't eat me. So might not want to do that again. (laughs) I'm just going to be a vegetarian from now on. Thank you. Yeah, I'm off meat now. Uh, For just, you know, it's just a coincidence that it worked out this way. It's not because you ate us or anything. So it's fine. (laughs) Um, They were also given several laws to abide by. They must never kill a pregnant animal or the young animals. So all hunters must understand and respect the reproductive cycle to avoid violating this law. The sisters also taught mankind how to season and cook their food. Good call, ladies. Good call. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, was it the younger sister? Because apparently the older sister has trouble with her seasoning. Well, I might have made that detail up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeet! <laughs> <laughs> Just to explain the yeeting. <laughs> Many years passed, and the sons of the sisters grew into strong and courageous men. They stood out from all other men because they were noble and performed many great feats. Then the time came when the sisters knew they must return by the same road they traveled all those years before. Their children stayed behind with the men and founded a new caste that would be forevermore recognized for its wisdom and bravery. The Rainbow Serpent, Mother of Life, stayed on the earth she brought to life, moving quietly from pond to pond, watching over the behavior of animals and humans alike. Because of this, people worship every water source because they know of the serpent's powers. To this day, they sing to her and do rituals for her, asking for protection and benign rains to sustain life. Whenever the rain ends, the serpent reveals herself in all of her beauty and splendor as a distant rainbow to remind mankind that she is still present and watching over them. Oh, I like that. It's a pretty ending to it. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, she's kind of dark. Yeah. Messed up. Listen, she is a mom. You shouldn't cross her or she'll eat you. Just don't do it. (laughs) Can relate. Can relate. Just don't do it. Don't mess with her. Mm -hmm. I mean, her babies, which is all of life, apparently. So don't fuck with it. Okay. So now that we've devoured our main course and savored its rich and layered flavors, it's time for a quick break to cleanse the palate before dessert. Welcome back. I hope you're in the mood for some dessert because it's time to dig in. So now let's move into our where else do we see this section. And I'm going to be honest with you, I went a little all over the place again and I'm not really that sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? I couldn't stay focused on one thing? What has that ever happened? (laughs) But I think you guys are going to like it, so it's hopefully you'll forgive me, or maybe you'll just recommend that I go try to get medicated for whatever attention problem I have. <laughs> so there is also a Chinese creation story featuring a goddess called Nuwa, who has the head of a woman and the body of a serpent. Hot. Sexy, right? Everyone loves it. Very sleek, very slender. I don't know what else to say about a serpent's body. She's got those curves. <laughs> okay. She creates mankind by sculpting them from clay. The first figures she makes by sculpting them individually in great detail. While later, to save time and energy, she dips a rope into the clay and then flings it. (laughs) (laughs) She dips the rope in clay and then flings it and each blob comes to life as a person. (laughs) And I'm not laughing to be disrespectful. I'm laughing because I know I'm a blob. Like, I was not one that you spent a lot of time. <laughs> she's, she's like, oh, 
this is so beautiful. This one's so great. This is very time consuming. All right. <laughs> Mama's got things to do. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Dip and fling. Dip and fling. <laughs> oh, there's Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this, the carefully sculpted original figures become the higher class people, while the second set of figures make up the lower classes, which still makes me a blob in case anyone was <laughs> Ooh, okay. Also, Greek mythology has a creation story I want us to talk about a little bit as well. Um, actually, just to be totally honest greek mythology has a bunch of different creation stories which you know i like it throw a bunch of stuff at the wall see what sticks and that's your story that you're gonna go with right but we're only gonna talk about one of them because otherwise we'll be here forever so uh in one of the creation stories uranum a goddess emerges from the dark void of chaos and couples with Ophion, a primal serpent slash god. Urinome took up the form of a dove and laid an egg which Ophion coiled around to keep warm. When it hatched, the earth was born as were the sky, the sea, and the stars. Afterward, the couple settled on Mount Olympus. Now, in some versions of this myth, Uranum and Ophion are eventually ousted from their position of power by Kronos and Rhea. However, in other versions of the story, Ophion takes sole credit for creating the cosmos and Uranum gets pissed off and punishes him by sending him to the underworld for all of eternity. (laughs) (laughs) Intense. Listen, she had to push that whole egg out. All he did was <laughs> coil around it. Come on. Oh, man. Okay, um, but truthfully, the first thought that sprang to my mind when I was searching for connections to our main myth was the serpent from the Garden of Eden. You know, the one who brings about the downfall of mankind by convincing <laughs> Eve to eat forbidden fruit. This biblical story and our Greek Titan myth share the same principal association at heart. Snakes are often linked to the underworld in mythology. By the way, this is a quick callback to an earlier episode that we did when Emily asked me why people are always hating on snakes, and I didn't have a good answer, so I was like, it's because they don't have legs. It turns out the real reason is because they're associated with the underworld and people don't like to die, which, you know, that makes more sense than what I said. So go with this version instead, please. Forget about the dumb thing I said. (laughs) (laughs) The mythological connection of serpent figures to both creation stories and the underworld might seem odd if you consider life and death to be opposites. But creation and destruction or death are all part of the cycle of life. This is best symbolized by Euroborus, a circle comprised of a snake that is devouring its own tail. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. While it has many possible interpretations, the idea of life feeding upon itself and providing its own fuel is very much a symbol of the cyclical nature of life. There is also another variation of the Euroborus. It's still a serpent, although sometimes it looks more dragon-like. 
and it's still consuming its own tail. But this version takes the shape of an infinity symbol rather than a circle. If that sounds familiar to you, it might be because you've seen the Netflix cyberpunk series Altered Carbon. If you haven't seen it or read the books, don't worry, I'm not planning to go into spoilers. Just going to give you the premise of the show, essentially. So I would describe it in a nutshell as what would happen if an infinite cycle of life could be focused on one consciousness for eternity. In the world of Altered Carbon, advances in technology have given humans the ability to cheat death through the invention of the cortical stack, usually just called the stack, which serves as a container of human consciousness in the form of code, which can be downloaded into different bodies now called sleeves, meaning a person, one person, can actually live forever as long as the stack isn't destroyed before the code is downloaded elsewhere or backed up. The main character of the series, Envoy Takeshi Kovach, has a tattoo in the form of a Euroboros infinity sign, and his sister Raylene wore one as a necklace. So I think it's really interesting that kind of the modern take on this is let's talk about the cyclical nature of not life. We'll still use this, you know, ancient symbol of a serpent devouring its own tail and powering life forever. But now we're just going to go ahead and let one person live for eternity as long as they have enough money to sustain themselves forever. Yay! Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right too and it will come as no surprise to anyone that the people who do the best in this society are people who are super freaking rich already yay all right that's it because i don't want to i don't want to go any further into the series i don't want to spoil it i mean i know season two has been out for a while now but i I just really don't want to ruin it for anybody but that's probably enough to understand the connection anyway Okay, um, I guess, does anybody have anything fun or good that they want to share? Well, so we are in, we're almost into March now, even though this is coming out in April? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Question mark? I feel pretty confident that that's correct. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Even though I can't say words anymore, pretty sure. (laughs) So I uh, I did dry January with uh, a family member who's been struggling with alcoholism, and uh, I've kept it up. I I did end up having a few sips of wine here and there, but I I can't even I can't even do it anymore. And I've lost so much weight; my pants actually fit again. Nice. <laughs> All that drinking during COVID definitely uh, packed on the pounds, but I'm feeling pretty good now. Well, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Thanks. Top that, Lindsay. My pants still don't fit if anyone was curious, but it's not because of alcohol. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the Red Bull, man. Nope, it's food. <laughs> oh. It's all those cheese pizzas. <laughs> food. It's all the food. Um, My youngest is learning how to snowboard, and she went down the hill without falling yesterday. So they, there's like um, this uh, snowboarding slash tubing place not that far from where we live. And my husband's been teaching her how to snowboard. And there's this really short 
hill for beginners for them to kind of like learn how to go down the hill. And I got to see her go down it yesterday and she didn't fall at all. So that was really cool. And she had me wait for her at the bottom so I could catch her so she could stop. (laughs) (laughs) That is a big moment when they can do something without falling. Yep. And you're just, it's that sigh of relief of, okay, I'm not going to hear any screaming and wailing today. Not for this at least. Well, and she's really good about falling backwards because the way the thing she was learning how to do is I think it's heel side where you lift up your toes to slow down when you're going down kind of like um, where your board is parallel with the ground. Mm -hmm. So she was kind of like scooting down the hill in essence. So then it's easier for her to fall on her butt and kind of sit back instead of falling forward on her face. And I will say that being at this ski place when there were tons of people there, including like a bus full of high school kids that were like there for ski club or something. There were a lot of people and I was getting like super claustrophobic, especially when some of these like beginner kids were like getting like dangerously close to like hitting her because like no Mm -hmm. one had spatial awareness of anybody else, you know? Kids don't have spatial awareness. What? I know. Right. And I'm just like, "Ah." so I'm like mentally preparing myself to like, tackle like bodily tackle a kid if they try to like run into her (laughs) but thankfully I didn't have to do that (laughs) but there were times when uh my husband was very like aware of the other kids so if he did have to feel like he needed to like run in to like pick her up so she wouldn't get knocked over he did so that's good that he was a lot more aware of other children when their parents didn't seem to really give two shits if they biffed it or not it's pretty standard yeah there was like one kid that like cartwheeled at one point with like the snowboard and i'm just like how did you not break anything like it was terrifying to watch (laughs) and uh my husband was like yeah uh no one taught that kid what to do so he's just kind (laughs) of like just figuring it out on his own and i was like he's not doing a good job his parents are like sink or swim kids sink or swim pretty much (laughs) like he didn't even have his boots like clipped in properly on the board oh that's (gasps) good (laughs) so it's like he could have broken his ankles he could it was it was a hot mess and i was like (laughs) oh (laughs) (laughs) like i need to get out of here i don't want to see an accident (laughs) you don't want to see someone's bones sticking through their skin (laughs) Oh no. no. Oh. <laughs> I was like feeling very anxious. And then as soon as we got in the car, I was like, we're going to go home and we're going to eat some food and I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to puke. <laughs> Thank you for not bleeding. I <laughs> see. I'm trying to think if I have like anything good to share before we're done, but I don't know if I do. No, I don't think I do. <laughs> That's kind of depressing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that was me earlier today recording for Yield Crime. I like sat there uncomfortably for like five minutes trying to think of something. I was like, well, this will be easy enough to edit out later. <laughs> uh, it's all right. Sometimes I just can't think of anything. All right. Um, Should I close it up? Sure. Sure. All right.
Thank you for coming to visit our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a colorful slice of Australian mythology. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at PineAppAppPizzaPod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.